Chapters thirty four and thirty five of Philomène's Marriages by Henri Greville. Translated by Helen Stanley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter thirty four. Success. Marie had not written since her departure and had telegraphed still less. Sure of the success of her mission, she wished to give herself the pleasure of enjoying Masson's delight in all its freshness she arrived about midday went immediately to her house and entered the dining-room where the two friends were breakfasting together bachelor fashion and were consoling themselves very agreeably for her absence with oysters and partridge another dozen julie cried charles to the maid on seeing his wife enter very pale masson stood up holding his chair in his hands and looked at marie without daring to speak the young woman held the stamped paper towards him saying it is done the poor fellow let his chair fall caught madame verroy by her shoulders and impressed two great kisses on her cheeks after which he released her covered with shame and in manner of excuse turned towards charles saying to him it was not my fault i was too happy don't restrain yourself my friend continue said verroy quite calmly she will pass them on to me for five minutes there ensued a volley of questions and answers that were quite incomprehensible however it seemed every one obtained the information he wanted for suddenly a great silence of satisfaction came over our three happy friends instinctively marie turned her head towards the door at which some one touched the knob to her great surprise the maid entered bringing the oysters well where is philomene asked the young woman philomene she asks where philomene is exclaimed charles bursting out laughing and throwing himself back in his chair i say masson she asks where is philomene masson who laughed also but more sedately drew out his watch and answered she must be reaching diolette at this very moment marie turned towards charles to ask an explanation but he entirely given over to his joy was rubbing his hands together and seemed in ecstasy it is a surprise i had for you said he to his wife in case you should be obliged to return unsuccessful it was to be a compensation and if you were to bring good news it was to be the reward you deserved i selected one for you after my own heart do you not like it certainly yes marie answered gained over by the two friends hilarity but how did you do it i told her that lavenel wished to get married and not to herself and she left immediately fearing to be late she waited two hours at the station for the departure of the train well but you said the young woman inconsiderately turning towards masson i yes what do you say about it added she remembering her imprudent promise i say that unless she had left we would neither have had oysters nor partridges draw the conclusion yourself i swore said charles that she should never eat oysters in our house she talked about them every day it was a fixed idea of hers so as soon as she left i ordered some it was very simply done they had to go over all the details of the negotiation for masson could not hear enough of them he looked at the precious paper that assured his life's happiness to him with the eyes of an amateur who has found a rarity he would have liked to have started at once in two different directions for diolette and for x in order to see his mother and virginie simultaneously my mother is indeed very good said he at length for since fifteen years i have never given her anything but pain reassure yourself madame verroy answered him she has certainly had some sorrowful hours but she has also had some very sweet ones as well her devotion and her maternal pride have fought some terrible combats but pride was conqueror 
she then told him about the episode of the library where on the day following the memorable evening she had discovered in it a number of profane works become sacred ones because her loved son had taken a part in the plays they contained my good mother said masson overcome before going to virginie i shall go to kiss and thank you nothing will give her more happiness said marie and then added charles it will be a good example for your children when you have any the afternoon was entirely spent in the composition of a letter to father buron and another to madame aubier in which the former was to be enclosed when the work was finished to their general satisfaction masson took the letter to carry it to the post himself but charles stopped him a letter is all very well said he but the question will never be ended we must send a telegram a long telegram then so that it will be clear enormous i will take charge of it moreover literature is my business and you know nothing about it well and philomene are you not going to write to her added he write to her why don't open your eyes as wide as that to give her pleasure would that please her she would be in ecstasy imagine an artist who acts and plays next year then said masson now i have not the time he left and towards ten o'clock in the evening the whole theatre was struck with the martial and triumphant tone in which he uttered the words by heaven my lords you have done a sorry task he was so grand that a salvo of applause was bestowed on him by the enthusiasts in the parterre and the galleries to such a degree that the people in the fauteuil and balconies joined in it without knowing why even the claque applauded gratis which as every one knows never happens except when everybody has lost his head it was the first and the last time that the role of monseigneur the duke had an ovation the play was only given five times more and since then it has fallen into oblivion oblivion that is worse than death so poets and dramatic authors say chapter thirty five paris fashions while masson who was bewildered at a success he had not in the least foreseen was asking himself whether he had not a rabbit's tail or some other extraordinary object hanging in the middle of his back in order to explain to himself his wonderful reception philomene seated before her cold fireside in her house that had become damp from having been shut up was en tete-a-tete with a second-rate candle that was dripping with all its might and was saying to herself that life was absurd people all stupid her cousin bad and lavenel an idiot this litany consoled her but it was one of those things that possess a virtue only by being repeated at least we must believe so for she was not happy until she had said and reset it ten times and more it was all very well to be a proprietor in a town like dielette to have a house to oneself on a square in the finest situation to possess a great many curiosities brought home from lands beyond the seas by a captain the captain's being dead was perhaps an advantage but in certain circumstances it might also be a disadvantage and at the present moment philomene knew not what to decide about it if the captain had been alive and if his unlucky star had willed that he should have been ashore under analogous circumstances she would probably have sent him to call her cousin charles to account but the captain was a clever fellow although he had not given proof of it in marrying philomene and doubtless he would have contented himself by going to present his compliments to his cousin in order to have had an opportunity of smoking a good cigar and enjoying a little glass of something good with him 
it was very fine to possess so many nice things and a little garden and a dress with a train a present from marie and two or three hundred francs worth of gifts shut up in her heavy trunk and a travelling bag bought in the passage du havre philomene had recognized by this time the social inferiority of game baskets but what was all that in comparison to what she had lost her pleasant paris life the farniente of days spent in reading novels or in taking walks the good food being waited upon by servants and above all masson's presence and the hopes she cherished about him philomene's return to dielette was in no degree a triumphal entrance she arrived there on a cold day at the end of october in a pouring rain the yellow diligence deposited her and her effects on the square only after great trouble would the driver who had drank a little drop consent to drag her trunk as far as her door and he left her with some rough joking remarks to her that were but little in keeping with madame crepin's new pretensions the irreverent gamin who happened just then to be at liberty as it was the hour of their repast did not deprive themselves of a laugh and the widow's threatenings had no other effect on them than to redouble their merriment hardly had she entered her house when the mouldy smell that is proper to rich chaussées that have been closed for a long time nearly stifled her and philomene was obliged to confess to herself that her dwelling could not bear any comparison to madame verroy's apartment which fact was another source of bitterness to her after a short space of time consecrated to the embellishment of her person madame crepin went out to make a few visits too prudent to give occasion for indiscreet commentaries she began with two or three indifferent friends if these two words may be united in order to dazzle her society and to inspire from the beginning those whom she honoured with a visit with new respect she had put on a cloak made in the last fashion a present from her cousin and her handsomest bonnet but the effect this display produced was exactly opposite to that which she had hoped oh what a droll cloak said her first friend to her is that the fashion in paris to bind oneself up in clothes like that i don't know but it seems to me if i were in your place i would be ashamed to let my legs be so plainly seen under my dress at her second visit it was her bonnet that found no grace in the eyes of a judge who was equally severe so that philomene was not in the most brilliant humour when she presented herself at madame aubier's the latter received her as though she had never left dielette however a sort of coldness was apparent in her welcome although she was in reality innocent of lavenel's freak still if philomene had remained at home the old gallant would not have carried his devotions elsewhere madame aubier confined herself however to questioning her about her travels and the widow took a long while in saying over the rosary of her delights masson's name was introduced so often and so naturally in her story that the old lady finally said to her did you see him then very often almost every day replied the half-consoled artemisia is he well very well i have never seen so amiable or so good-tempered a man madame aubier sighed was her little virginie already forgotten she asked herself if she did right in confiding the secret of her young heart to friends of such recent date and to a young man who had perhaps become quite indifferent to her he took me to the theatre philomene continued blushing with pride he showered kindnesses upon me and he came to see me when i was alone in order to amuse me ah he is a well-brought-up young man and one who has a deal of heart his greatest desire is to settle in our country and i would not be astonished if some day or other he should marry a woman from this place 
the old lady looked philomene full in the face in order to try to penetrate her thoughts could madame verroy by any chance and contrary to all probabilities have made a confidant of her cousin the widow's modest blushes and self-assurance calmed the anxiety of virginie's godmother on that point immediately but another idea entered her mind philomene seemed very happy could masson but the absurdity of such a thought seized madame aubier so strongly that she could not help smiling there is nothing to laugh at in that said the widow bitterly my cousin charles took his wife from granville we are not more uncivilized here than at granville i presume oh no on the contrary replied madame aubier with increasing merriment moreover continued philomene there would be nothing surprising in the fact that a young man like m masson should prefer a serious woman as a contrast to his mode of life people who live a great deal in the world you know like to have their own homes tranquil he would love a little quiet home without children said the old lady yes without children they make noise he would like a serious woman not one of those young girls who always wish to be in love monsieur masson is a good fellow have you never remarked how much he resembles my late husband never said madame aubier scarcely able to contain herself the resemblance is astonishing therefore i felt an affection for him immediately the first time i met him and then he is so well bred the old lady felt the necessity of making a diversion for she was no longer mistress of herself and feared to burst out laughing have you seen lavenel said she without any oratorical preliminaries no said she i have not seen him what is he doing i do not know i suppose he is busy with his affairs madame crepin reflected for an instant then with the tact that characterized her she said to herself that madame aubier was not a gossip that she might ask her a few questions without running the risk of having them carried around the village i have been told that he is seeking to marry a young girl is it true i have heard something to that effect replied the impassible old lady that he is seeking someone but it is not a young girl philomene opened her eyes wide the person has been named to me continued madame aubier while her visitor tried to divine the chosen one's name without succeeding and i have indeed no reason for hiding from you that it was yourself ah i what an idea said madame crepin annoyed beyond all possibility with this unforeseen conclusion i will not hide from you continued the pitiless matron that it has been a great deal talked about and that i was anxious to have you return so as to put an end to those rumours by a good marriage the reputation of widows is as fragile as that of young girls and perhaps even more so besides you are right to have accepted him it is a good match for you it is just as good for any one else philomene murmured in the sullen tone that was one of her charms if it was for this that my cousin disturbed me what exclaimed madame aubier who had however heard very well do you not wish it is this plan only simple gossip by any chance you must take lavenel to task for the harm he has done your reputation for i can assure you it was he who has talked about it to everybody there is no one who does not know of it but madame aubier you must be mistaken is there not some other marriage on hand they have not spoken to me of any other said the old lady crossing her hands on her knees with a quiet air 
she said nothing untrue for they had written to her about it philomene remained thoughtful her mind was losing itself in a maze of suppositions that were equally disagreeable some one was making sport of her was it madame aubier her cousin verrois lavenel or all of them together as she raised her head why you have left off your mourning said the old lady maliciously alas it was only too true a bow of garnet-coloured velvet bloomed on her bonnet and another one similar to it at the widow's throat this red was not very red one might have declared it brown but after all brown is not mourning nor even half mourning philomene felt she was taken in fault but she did not remain in that position long it is a kind of violet they are wearing now in paris said she with assurance it is an odd violet observed madame aubier i do not believe the fashion will take here it resembles red too much for half mourning madame crepin who was rather discouraged retired without even thinking of asking about virginie in order to have her mind set at ease she went towards her future husband's dwelling this enigma had to be solved as she entered the shop madame lavenel gave her a little cold bow then she rose and went towards her without showing any desire to kiss her and then offered her a chair you have returned then said she we did not expect you so soon ah said philomene stiffly does my return surprise you not exactly you were obliged to return some day or other ah said the widow in the same manner the two women looked out of the window into the street for some little time but as the spectacle presented nothing very interesting to them they ceased their contemplation almost at the same moment and their looks met full of secret hostility which brought upon their respective faces the falsest of amiable smiles my son is absent said the mother ah repeated our sweet friend for the third time he went away on some business affairs to pieux asked the fiancée who had taken care to assure herself in the morning as she passed through the town that no lavenel whatever had appeared on the horizon of pieux that day the delinquent's mother was not a woman who allowed herself to be taken by surprise she thought philomene had probably made inquiries there and answered no in the direction of flamanville it was in an opposite direction madame crepin had nothing to say and she said nothing how should she catch that cunning woman whom sixty years of craftiness had made impervious to all surprises how are our friends here asked she hoping to read some sign on madame lavenel's face as she pronounced the names of families who had marriageable daughters but it was lost trouble she did not think of virginie who lived far enough off not to be considered an inhabitant of dielette and the old woman deserved no merit whatever in answering all her questions calmly after having exhausted the list of girls whom a man like lavenel might aspire to marry madame crepin took breath decidedly it was not going to be an easy task and she thought that she would have done better to have remained in paris what inconsiderate impulse had urged her to leave would it not have been better to have awaited marie's return and the result of some decisive meeting with masson yes but marriage with masson was still in an utopian state it was a golden dream but only a dream whilst lavenel's betrayal was a reality unless it were a mystification in that case verrois was the last of men to have thus played with philomene's too confiding heart how are affairs going on 
asked madame crepin in order to establish a bridge between herself and madame lavenel who for the moment seemed to her like a steep and unattainable island which she would be imprudent to abandon badly replied lavenel's worthy mother laconically badly then certainly verroy was not wrong never during the time when she desired philomene as her daughter-in-law had affairs gone badly there must then be a complete change in the old woman's feelings to have brought about this avowal or untruth badly have they become worse since my departure said the outraged fiancée a great deal if you have need of a little money madame crepin hastened to say i have a few hundred francs at your disposition have your bills been paid you said the old lady with an absent look fixed on her prospective daughter-in-law's garnet-coloured velvet no but i have a little hoard nevertheless ah observed madame lavenel you have very good luck and she sighed deeply silence came at this word and philomene felt powerless to revive the conversation disconcerted she rose till one of these days said she au revoir replied the old woman for which reason madame crepin sitting alone in the evening in her damp dwelling en tete-a-tete with her chimney that persisted in smoking abominably abandoned herself to sombre-coloured thoughts and to a general antipathy to the human species just as she was going to bed in default of any other consolation a well-known step resounded heavily on the deserted square she listened it was lavenel was he coming to see her was he glad she had returned she had almost a moment of friendly feeling for her betrothed of whom she had thought so little the day before because he was bringing a welcome to her in her loneliness the steps died away theodore after having put up his horse and carriage was going home without thinking of her however he saw a candle burning in his future wife's window this unusual light ought to have informed him of her return but he went by indifferently philomene could no longer contain herself she sprang like a cat from one who takes her progeny drew the bolt with an astonishing rapidity and standing on her threshold cried out into the night lavenel lavenel did not or would not hear she made one bound into the street caught her fiance by the arm and dragged him into the house they found themselves face to face in the light or rather in the candle's smoky light that chiefly illumined the end of their noses an organ with which nature had too amply endowed both of them their faces assumed enormous and grotesque proportions in the strange light lavenel's prune-like eyes became black and bottomless abysses and the cavities of philomene's absent teeth formed irregular designs on her half-open lips that were trembling with anger and their two gigantic shadows thrown on the wall and ceiling were looking motionless at each other like two monstrous faience griffins ready to devour each other on the steps of some stairway lavenel feeling the necessity of putting himself in countenance wet his thumb and forefinger on his lips and delicately taking the candle-wick between them snuffed it with much dexterity and wiping his hand mechanically on his trousers resumed his immobility philomene did not seem touched by this attention and her ex-lover felt that the case was grave who are you going to marry then lavenel said the offended woman the thrust was a rude one but her adversary was cunning it seems to me said he you ought to know something about it philomene with an energetic movement of her head indicated that she considered herself as a disinterested party in the question and lavenel made a gesture in reply that signified well then what do you wish me to say to you i know 
said she using an old procedure that succeeds nine times out of ten why do you ask then to hear you say it lavenel expressed by a gesture of his left hand that this desire seemed futile to him but he kept silent speak then exclaimed philomene exasperated it is not worth while since you have some idea that you do not tell me and you get offended at what i say to you without stopping to notice that he said nothing distinctly madame crepin measured her adversary's strength in her mind and took another tactic when shall we be married said she in a cross tone that contrasted strangely with those words that were so full of sweet hopes when you choose lavenel replied with perfect indifference would you like our bands to be published on sunday sunday it is saturday to-day and the town hall is closed next sunday if you choose philomene glanced at him slyly he looked like a whipped dog but he did not refuse what then was all this surprising mystery she passed her hand over her brow and feared for a moment to find a crack in her own brain that had always been so well organized before very well said she with a sigh next sunday remember philomene said her fiance to her as he turned towards the door it is you who request it i am not the one who is in a hurry if something happens it will not be my fault something what said the alarmed widow a great many things may happen you did not wish me to speak to people about our marriage you went to paris you returned without giving any warning and you wished to get married as soon as you arrive without giving people time even to know where they are all that is very fine and if i refused you would say perhaps i had other reasons for doing so we will arrange it as you say but if you have any unpleasantness it will not be my fault how asked madame crepin who was stunned by so long and so extraordinary a speech what do you mean to say i mean to say that you were in love with the actor and that you went to paris to try and get him you could not catch him and so you came back here but that is no reason why you should try to quarrel with honest people when it is they perhaps who should reproach you i in love with an actor what actor said philomene with a foot thick of blushes on her face your cousin's friend the one who drew houses on paper all last summer for all you tried to hide it you could not help speaking of him on every occasion and you have been seen to change colour when he was amiable to your cousin or some other person now you wish to marry me that is very well but remember it is you who have asked it and remember also that after your journey which time you have employed no one knows how i could have every right to refuse my journey refuse you are mad lavenel on the contrary i see very clearly you ought to be ashamed to have lost your head for a man younger than yourself and as to him he must be very silly to have taken any notice of your airs he exclaimed philomene impelled by a desire to save her reputation that was in danger he did not think of me and of whom then you were always together a wicked smile passed over the widow's face she felt she was about to revenge herself for a thousand humiliations he was paying attention to my cousin said she lavenel looked at her severely he was a shrewd selfish man without any delicacy but he was not wicked you are bad madame crepin said he to her in a reproachful tone what you say is not true 
and were it so your duty would be to hide it and not to repeat it good evening we will have time enough to see each other to-morrow he went away while philomene who was amazed asked herself if some one had not changed her lavenel he spoke quite a different language the preceding spring there is some woman underneath all this she murmured between her teeth and if i can find her out she will pay me for this dearly a coarse laugh that broke the silence of the night was heard on the square and a rude voice cried you are in a hurry lavenel here is your sweetheart returned only this morning and you could not restrain yourself from going to see her as you came home lavenel answered some words in a sullen voice that madame crepin could not seize then she softly opened her door just as the interlocutor continued in the same tone it is true then that you are hunting two hares at once one sees you during the day at father beuron's and at night at the widow crepin's go to the devil lavenel growled loud enough to be heard by all the villagers who were not yet asleep he went off and philomene let her door close on her fingers but she did not care virginie beuron she had never dreamed of that little girl it was too idiotic to be true with this consoling thought she went to bed and had abominable dreams in which lavenel virginie and masson were all making sport of her in the most unseemly manner End of chapters 34 and 35